thoughts, views, beliefs, and opinions expressed in this program are not necessarily those of our affiliate networks. Very professional, Rick. I'm starting to kind of like get my mojo back, man. After you know, it, it's it's it took a few years. It's taken eight episodes, but I, yeah. I'm starting to feel it. Hey, you know, speaking of eight episodes, how mm -hmm. do how does the number four thousand two hundred and fifty three sound to you? Uh, that is a really big number. What's what's up with that number? That number is how many unique watchers we have had in the past seven eight episodes wow over four thousand because the the analytics that i get um for the youtube page it breaks everything down it breaks it down the gender it where they're from the demographic all that stuff mm -hmm. but it shows unique so so for okay. instance like if the same guy keeps going back and watching the same episode he only gets counted once Okay. It, it registers your IP address. So he's only okay. counted as once. So that means 4,253 unique watchers. You love us. You really, really love us. <laughs> Thank you so much to everybody who takes the, the time out of their busy day to put up with the two of us. Well, especially considering what, what little we're actually doing. We, we post it like... A week ahead of time, and then we post it like the day of, and expect everybody to drop what they're doing and be there at 8 p.m. on Friday, you know. Right. And we do get a live audience, but it's people watching on demand that is really our bigger audience. So Good. it's not like we're paying for advertising or driving around in Shadow Initiative mobiles or anything. You know, Although that would be kind of awesome. A Shadow be... Initiative mobile, like a big, long... Hers flat purse yes. shadow initiative tv written on the side absolutely i'm all that's for it. what i'm talking about i will contact our um sales and budgeting department okay and uh we have one of those let you know how quickly they shut that down <laughs> <laughs> oh my god hey now they handled you, the petty cash you know now before we forget because we're gonna have our guest on here shortly um but mm -hmm. before we we forget guys today we're pretty much calling our mid-season finale that's right keith is going to be our mid-season finale so no pressure on you there keith uh but anyway um we're taking a break i can't wait to get to the cliffhanger yeah we yeah right uh, <laughs> man now you're making me wish i would have thought of something anyway uh will steven make rick want to strangle him to death yes the answer out. is yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> find out when shadow initiative returns in two weeks um but we're taking the next week off guys so um tonight you're watching our interview with keith the next friday you will not have a new episode we're taking a break i saw the uh pictures of the of your uh batman yeah uh stuff on facebook that's uh 
That's that's pretty awesome, man. I mean, I remember I had those back, you know, when I was an actual kid who could play with toys, unlike yourself, which is a grown man still playing with toys. Well, Rick, I'm sure you're completely aware of how things are here at the Lancaster Nerdery. <laughs> you saw that. So, uh, Stephen will be back momentarily. He's just getting whatever it is. So, hey, let's enjoy his fish swimming in the background. Look at that little guy go. And he's going in. Boom. He is looking for his son, Nemo, uh, no doubt. Uh, let's see what else do we have. We got some Egyptian stuff. We got a double-headed dragon. Got some old books. Yep. Good times at the Lancaster Nerdery. Oh, and there he is. Speaking of Lancaster nerds. Steven has returned. Yes! The Lancaster Nerdery. Yeah. That cut deep, man. That cut deep. But that's okay. That's okay. It's all right. That's okay. All right. I yes, I know. I, you... I can take it. <laughs> that's, uh, uh, that's for all the... Uh, that's that's the payback for all the times that you say how uh, you can't... You know, you fall asleep listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> Which won't be the last time, I'm sure. Uh, so guys, yeah, later in the program and not too far ahead or too long from now or however you want to describe it, we're having Keith on and I'm very interested um, to hear what he has to say. This is another really, I mean, is it safe to say your average Joe, you know, who experienced a haunting, but then he, he got some, uh, well, he, he didn't get some, he got a lot of recognition for this haunting, wouldn't you say, Rick? Right. Yeah, I really would say I've actually read um, the first two books, and I really liked them. And his story is um, most certainly compelling. Um, you know, he calls it a poltergeist. And the thing, the interesting thing about Keith is I don't think that he had any interest in this whatsoever before the before experiencing this poltergeist uh, in his home, in um, in what is you know he calls the Bothell Hell House. So, you know. You know, again, it's one of those things that's like, what are people really dealing with here? Are they dealing with the poltergeist? Are they dealing with just a really super pissed off ghost? Or, you know, in a rare instance, is he dealing with other? So, you know, Keith will answer all those questions for us and when he know, comes on. What, what I really like about it, Rick, is nowadays, um, mm. the majority of the time when you're, you're hearing about a haunting... You're either seeing it on TV by casted right. paranormal investigators, or you're hearing it from people like you and me. Um, right. You you rarely, it, it's very rare for just your normal person. I mean, Keith's like an IT guy, and he like a tech guy, like real real yeah, real yeah, smart dude. And uh, you know, here's a guy who, who's a family man, you know, working hard, super intelligent, and experiences a haunting is not a paranormal investigator and, and you know in some cases that can yield better results because i think in our field sometimes we have to you know question ourselves and stop for a minute and you know is, is this paralysis by analysis you know yeah. are, are we missing the face value here you know where, where your right. average person they're not thinking about holy crap let's get the emf meter you know, yeah. no, they know, yeah, they, they know they're... what they saw. And, and I have always said, yeah. and, and then I'll let you run with it. I have always said the best piece of equipment is your eyes. 
You know, when people always ask me, what's yeah. the best piece of... Well, you know what? Every client we have taken, you have taken, I have taken, they don't have all the bells and whistles. They saw what no, they, they did don't. with their own two eyes, heard what they did with their own two ears. There was no $30,000 thermal camera involved. You know, we use that yeah. stuff because we're we're... We haven't lived in that house and experienced what they have for 25 years or, or however long. Right. You know, and we've got to try right. to find things in a different way. Yeah. Hey, you actually kind of stole my thunder there a little bit because that's exactly what I was going to say. And also, too, I mean, when you're dealing with, you know, the average Joe out on the street who moves into a house and experiences um, extraordinary phenomena, they it, – it's – it's kind. It's understandable for them to say. They're under for them to think. You know, am I losing my mind here? Am I really experiencing this, or is, you know, something going on in you know in the upstairs? And um, you know, it's like this. It's like I've always said. If you, a, a crazy person doesn't think they're crazy. They think that they're perfectly sane. So if you're questioning your sanity when you're dealing with something, chances are you really are dealing with something very real that's presenting itself well what, what's the old saying and i know i'm gonna butcher this but but it's something along the lines like a group of people up up on a mountaintop dancing look mm -hmm. like a bunch of crazy lunatics because you're not there to hear the music that they're dancing to right Hey, my friends, check out my good friend Chris Beck and his work at All Around Art. From lifelike paintings to detailed sketches to phenomenal tattoo artistry, if you can dream it, Chris can bring it to life on canvas or your skin. His art has been showcased in published works such as the paranormal best-selling book Norman II, The True Story of a Possessed Doll's Revenge. Visit him online at facebook.com slash allaround.art.54. And uh, welcome back to the Shadow Initiative TV with Stephen and Rick. Today joining us um, is a guy who's going to tell us about another extreme haunting um, that he experienced, that he and his girlfriend actually experienced. Um, we're going to be talking to Keith Linder. Keith is the author of the Bothell Hell House, Attachments, Poltergeist of Washington State Part 2, and Poltergeist, The Night Side of Physics. Um, his haunting has been called by Rob Tilley of the Australian Institute of Parapsychological Research. This case is right up there with the most frightening of poltergeist cases. The Enfield Poltergeist, the South Shields Poltergeist, the Bridgeport, Connecticut case, and the Matthew Manning case. So we're going to get to the bottom of Keith's story. And uh, Keith, thank you for joining us so much here on the Shadow Initiative TV with Stephen and Rick. Hey, Keith, thank you so much for coming on the show. It is a real pleasure having you. And it's, uh, you know, I've, I've actually interviewed you in the past uh, for a magazine. And uh, so it's a real pleasure to finally be uh, talking to you face to face. Yeah, it's our first time uh, talking face to face. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. One of the first interviews I gave about the house. Sure did. Yeah. Yeah, it was for the uh, super, uh, Supernatural magazine. So, you know, uh, Keith, when when, I, when we did the intro, I mentioned that um, 
Rob Tilley of the Australian Institute of Parapsychology Research says this case is right up there with the most frightening of poltergeist cases. The Enfield poltergeist, the South Shields poltergeist, the Bridgeport, Connecticut case, and the Matthew Manning case. And as we all know, all of those were truly terrifying and drove people to the brink of insanity. Um, so, I mean, you know, that that is a huge buildup. So what we want to do is, Keith, we want to hear your story. We want you to just, you know, walk us through that. And if we have any questions, we're just going to, you know, ask you a question. So when did you... Okay, for example, you have no interest. You had no interest in the paranormal before this happened, correct? Uh, no, I, I knew very little about the paranormal. Was familiar with the term, but I was not a paranormal researcher, investigator, ghost hunter. Right. I didn't watch paranormal shows. Didn't play with a Ouija board. Didn't visit haunted houses. No, 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 uh, no knowledge whatsoever. Right. So when you moved in this house, how long was it before you experienced something that you that made you kind of step back and think, man, what is going on here? You know, on day one, uh, not of moving in, but of signing papers, picking up keys to the house. Uh, we heard what now has been clarified as a uh, disembodied voice. We heard a kid cough and okay. the house was empty. Uh, we don't have kids. We don't have pets house is empty the owner has just left and in between our conversation me and tina as we heard a kid cough it was loud it was very real and we both said or asked each other after we heard it was that a kid cough mm -hmm. uh fast forward to about two weeks later um typical items missing okay my my car keys these are car keys that my extra set i never use these car keys you know but um, they are now missing. Tina's jury uh, is missing. And uh, we're still not connecting the dots because we just moved, mm -hmm. right? Things get lost during a move. Sure. But now we're finding items that neither one of us own. We're finding kit toys. And okay. these kit toys are put out everywhere. They're putting your direct path, kitchen table, coffee table, where you can see them easily. And we thought, we're not thinking poltergeist or ghost, we thought we were being pranked. We thought we were being punked on TV or something. Um, yeah. We changed the locks of the house. I got a um, state-of-the-art security system uh, for peace of mind's sake. But everything still kept happening. You know, the, the, yeah. the spirits are in the home with us. So we locked them in. So then the final, I guess, uh, realization uh, the moment of truth, I call it, is when we saw the plant levitate off the floor uh, by the entertainment center. We were watching TV, Netflix movie, and a four-foot-tall plant that Tina owned just darts up. I mean, a few inches off the ground, does a 360-degree spin, and falls over. Um, right then and there, we knew um, we got a ghost problem. Uh, we didn't think we had a malevolent problem. We thought we had a kid ghost. We researched online that says, how can you tell, or ask Google the question, how can you tell your house is haunted? And we fit maybe eight of the 10 reasons you can tell your house is haunted. And we went back to the kid cough and the missing items, the, the kid toys, and like, aha, we got, a, we got a friendly lost kid ghost. 
So yeah, that was that. That was the first time we knew. I mean, definitely. You know, it's it, it, it does sound like you have something that is just trying to have fun with you. And uh, you know, for you know, with with Apports, for example, that's that's incredibly rare in Poltergeist and in most haunting cases. But um, this, whatever it is that you and your and uh, Tina were dealing with, um, how long was it before it finally started to really show itself that this is not a child? We're actually dealing with something that is uh, far more dangerous. Uh, I would say maybe two, three months into the home, uh, we pivoted me and Tina from thinking Casper, the maybe friendly ghost, to something a little bit more, you know, mean and rough, mm -hmm. only because um, objects started being thrown. Uh, we're starting to entail property damage. And by mm -hmm. objects thrown, I mean flower pots, ironing board, iron. Uh, starch can, and these things are being thrown when we're trying to sleep. So something's trying to keep us awake. Yeah. Uh, door slams, Tina's taking a shower, and I hear her scream. I'm in the other part of the house. She's screaming, and the bathroom door just slams shut on her. She's locked in. Uh, the spirit turned the lights off for the extra dramatic effect, and vice yeah. versa. So then we, like, okay, let's dial back a little bit. And we called churches, Rick. We called churches in the neighborhood because that was the, the you know Plan B, if you will, of getting the house blessed, sure, uh, getting it cleansed. You know, now we're reverting back to our upbringing. You know, my grandmother told me as a as a young child, whenever you move into a new establishment, uh, bless it. And when we didn't do right. that with this one, you know. Because we didn't, we, we never got around to doing that. But when the activity took a turn for the worse, if you will, yeah, we got churches, in. and that quelled it a little bit. I mean, that would that would give you maybe seventy-two hours of quietness. But then yeah. they come back, they come back, and it's always abrupt. It's always resume where we left off. Bam, 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 with something new added in. You know, now it's something new uh, added in. Apparition sighted. You know, the, the female yeah. apparition I talk about in my first book called The Gray Lady. Uh, turns yeah. lights off, darts through the hallway, takes off running. You can hear her pitter-pat as she's thundering down the stairs. Uh, full body, not see-through or translucent or transparent. But um, So, yeah, that was summer 2012. Yeah, let's, you know, I, I want to backtrack and go back to, uh, you know, you're talking about blessing. I, I know with you, Steve, you've probably had this experience as well. It seems like in every uh, poltergeist case or in every haunting that you that you read about, um, that's always the go-to thing for people because obviously that's what we're brought up with here in the Western world. But then it always seems to ramp things up and it takes it to another level. You know, is that your experience, Steve? Oh, I think so. I think so. I'm I'm just captivated by what he's saying. Keith, before you came on, um, we were talking about, you know, Rick and I are paranormal investigators, and we jump at the chance to hear it from what we refer to as the average Joe. You know, the, the person that isn't analyzing everything to death like we do. And, and I feel we get more to the root of the answers we're looking for through people like you. And 
I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, but a, a question I did have is, you know, all three of us sitting here are authors and we've all written about the paranormal. What prompted you to, because you're like a tech guy, right? Like an IT guy? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what, what prompted you to sit down? Because th those are my favorite books, are the books from your 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 average Joe who, who has suffered from a haunting because you're getting inauthentic. There's nothing to gain. You know, they're not trying to, to be a paranormal celebrity. You know, what, what prompted you uh, to do that, you know, to start telling your story out there? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, Rick knows this because uh, I've been talking to him for a while, but uh, BIM, from my IT background, you know, I just started documenting the phenomena. I started keeping records, a diary, yeah. a timeline sheet, uh, what time things happened, what month of the day, what was the weather outside, inside, outside. Not because I felt that was important to me. I felt it was important to people like you who's going to review this later. One of the things okay. that I knew is, and y'all know this better than me, is in the program, you know, credibility is important, right? And the oh, best way to, yeah, it's make or break, right? So to make my story more believable, because this stuff is outlandish stuff, even from my, my perspective, but it's real, it's happening. I need to document and be meticulous as I possibly can because people are going to come with me with questions. You know, they're going to come with me with questions from all angles in the slightest, you know, incoherent inconsistency, you know, people go for the low hanging fruit of casting doubt. So once I had all this information compiled, Word, Word doc, Excel spreadsheet, I'm still being bombarded by Mr. and Mrs. Poltergeist. Me and Tina, we have a relationship, we have a life, we're still being onslaughted, but I'm, I'm trying to document as much as I can. That's why you see countless photos and videos of the phenomena, the aftermath. And then when the paranormal teams came in, the Steve Merrills of the world, the Nikki Novells of the world came in and were able to substantiate, um, I then had a recollect of saying, you know, there's a lot of paranormal books out there, literally throughout Amazon or whatever. I need to tell this story from the first person point of view, perspective of the house occupant, you know, my peripheral, what I saw, I got to see paranormal teams from all walks of life come in. I saw the Zacks, I saw the parapsychologist organizations, I saw the in-betweens, I saw the ghost seekers, the ghost thrillers or the thrill seekers. So on my mm -hmm. standpoint, I can be able to provide commentary and my mission for writing book one really was to help people who ever unluckily get in my situation avoid the mistakes that we made. Because we made mistakes. We're, we're new into the paranormal. Rick was right. The religious attack, if you will, escalated the activity, as did other things. Uh, religious paraphernalia, the more we tried to rid the Portuguese of the home, the more they made a, a reason to stay, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. And they started using our tools uh, against us. I mean, you burn a, a candle or throw a, a cross at me after I laid it down and prayed over it, that psychologically affects me because you're taking my spiritual weapons that I'm told to use against you, and now you're throwing them at me, and those things kind of hurt when they hit you going at bullet speed. So, sure. yeah, it, it, it was that, and I wanted to put that in, in, a, in a book only because I found that it would age over time from a knowledge point of view uh, if anybody reads it from, from cover to cover, they'll be like, aha, ah, okay, poltergeist, snowball effect, things ramp up. 
and then you can c- c- compare my case, uh, like Rob Tilly did, to other Portuguese cases. Look for the similarities, look for the differences, and then sort of judge to see where are Portuguese going in the millennia that they've existed. Are they metamorphosizing? Are they getting less aggressive, more aggressive, or is it the status quo? So only you and other individuals will see that after reading the book. Y'all would notice that. Right. Um, so here's what we're going to do, Keith. We're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we want to we want to cover more of the um, um, having the investigators come in because you actually had some really big names that that came in to investigate your haunting. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to take a break and uh, we're going to pay some bills. And when we come back, we're still going to be talking to Keith Linder, author and experiencer of an extreme haunting. So stick around. Uh, we'll be right back. Do you have proof of the paranormal? Want to see your story and evidence showcased on our show? Email shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com with questions, comments, your paranormal stories, evidence of the paranormal, or just anything you'd like to see on our show. Your story and evidence may appear on Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. That's Shadow Initiative TV at gmail. And thank you, everybody, for uh, sticking sticking around and uh, with uh, Stephen Rick, uh, rather Stephen, myself, and Keith Linder, who's talking about his extreme haunting case. Now, Stephen, you touched briefly. I'm sorry, Keith, you touched briefly on um, having some big name people come into your home. Um, who was the first investigator to come into your home, and when, and what were their findings? Well, the first investigator to come into our home were local to the Seattle area, and that was Noble Paranormal Team. Uh, and they investigated the house for 11 hours, and they did find uh, evidence of activity. Uh, they recorded on their camera equipment uh, strange mist coming from the floor. Uh, mm-hmm. Jennifer, who was the leader of that paranormal team, told the truth when she was interviewed by Zach Baggins. Of her sage stick did light on its own. Uh, once again, Portuguese showing dominance by saying, your weapons are no uh, good for me. And so it lit the sage stick, not her. Um, so that was, uh, I will believe, spring of 2014. Um, okay. A, a well, I guess if we're talking known paranormal teams uh, outside the state of Washington where I live, obviously, uh, I would have to point to Ghost Adventures. Uh, arriving yeah. to the home uh, November of 2014. Now you, right now, if I remember right, you and I, we were talking about this once before. You didn't exactly have a very favorable experience with Ghost Adventures, correct? No, and it's I had a favorable experience with them. Well, I had a neutral ex- experience with them when they came to the house in November. Because what people don't understand is they found us. We didn't find them. They reached out to us through the local media in Seattle, because by then we had reached out and talked to so many local churches, the, the Seattle Catholic Church, that people were starting to realize there's a house in Boston that's haunted. And Dave Schrader knew the people at Como News. So they found mm-hmm. us. And once again, I knew nothing about the paranormal. I knew nothing. I did not know there was a Ghost Adventures TV show on the Travel Channel. And they seemed sincere in their approach. They said, hey, this is that. This is what we do. We come in. We find answers. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, hey, you guys want to come in and do do your thing? Do it. 
I was not, however, made aware until how long they were going to actually be there until about a week before they arrived when they sent their itinerary. And mm -hmm. their itinerary stated that they're basically going to have two teams, the B-roll team. They're going to be there the majority of the time, three days. And okay. Zach and his crew are going to be there five hours. So I like... Five hours. That's five, it. That's it. I'll, and... Even me and Tina, because I looked at Tina and she looked at me, and I'm like, well, five hours, that's that's not a lot of time. I mean, so, but hey, they know what they're doing, so maybe they got some mo mojo or whatever that can get these spirits <laughs> going. But, um, and they came in, and, and they did their little five-hour spill, da 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 and I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. But um, I knew they weren't going to get anything. What, I guess, turned my neutral experience with them to a negative is three months later when the episode aired and the hostile way the episode portrayed me and Tina, you know, we didn't experience that. How they edited that to where the audience was like, you know, they're all like accusatory, like questioning the wall writings, questioning the fire. They even questioned Jennifer, who's the paranormal investigator. They even questioned her story about the safe stick lighting and they were all basing it on, well, nothing's happened since we've been here. Well, you know, and other investigators know, that's not always the case. And where poltergeists yeah. are concerned, the majority of the phenomena poltergeists are known for, the researchers rarely experience that. Yeah, they get evidence, but you don't, I mean, Zach came in and wanted to see a Bible burn. Well, this poltergeist <laughs> is not going to do that. He's not going to yeah. see a wall writing in real time. He's not going to do that. The Portuguese is not going to do that. And, you know, we had a lot of back and forth conversations off camera and on camera that never made it to uh, the production. So when we saw the episode, that was the first time we saw it. We were not previewed or told. Um, the communication went zero from the time they left the house to the time the episode aired. And then the way they portrayed Tina at the very end of that episode, like she was somehow weird, spooky, um, her and Zach, you know, almost butt heads in, the, in total blackness and he felt off-putting. And so we got the, I guess, the fallout, the negative fallout, if you will, from Zach fans. You know, people... Yeah. The, the, we, got, we got trolled, we, Tina got beat up real bad, I got beat up real bad. And I couldn't understand, I, I, I couldn't understand why we were always labeled as hoaxers when even to... Ghost Adventures definition, they never found hoaxing. Zero activity in a home does not mean hoaxing has occurred. And y'all sent us away. When y'all do y'all lockdown, we're not even in the house. We're not nowhere. We're in a hotel that y'all put us up in. And we gave y'all access to the house. Y'all chose five hours. We didn't choose five hours. Y'all chose five hours. I thought, actually, that they were going to stay longer. You know, Granted, you can't stay a week there. I know you got a show to run and all that, but I'm like, even Jennifer, when they were there, they were there 11, 12 hours. But I was like, five hours? It takes two hours just to set up camera equipment. I mean, just to yeah. get all the windows blotted out and wires and trucks and all that and crates in. And then they were in and out. They were bam, 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 bam. You know, that, that, does, that does also appear to be a uh, tactic that a poltergeist uses in its uh, uh, campaign of terror, as I like to call it. They like to run and hide. It even... even human spirits do this they like to run and hide and it's all part of making you look bad to wear you down um you know steve you have more of a um, um experience in television than i do editing is a problem isn't it 
Oh, it is. I, I've been on these shows, and and just like he said, you know, they they have an agenda, and they edited it that way. Um, I could literally show you copies of the shows that I have done and point out every moment there was an edit where they took yeah. a, fr- a phrase from this sentence that I said and a phrase from this sentence that I said and pieced it together to make it sound like I was saying something I didn't even say. You know, and, and when, you know, before you even came on, Keith, Rick and I were talking about how the, you know, these shows and you've experienced this stuff for months to years, you know, some of our clients, 25 years. How yeah. does any investigator with any sense think that they're going to go in in just a few hours and figure it all out? You know, and, and I, I don't give Zach and his crew any credibility at all. He's making a TV show. He is not trying to um, solve any kind of paranormal issue. He needs you. He needs people like you so he can do what he does. And and it's all about hey, the, the very last show I did um, for A&E. The, the investigator I was with, the producers, kept trying to get him to say... Lancaster believes this, Stephen believes that, and he refused to say it. He's like, there's no way Stephen would say that stuff. So they started <laughs> lying to him. They were lying to him saying, well, Stephen just did his interview and he said all this stuff. So they were trying to get that moment where he would say it. So it, it's all TV, you know, and you experience that, unfortunately. Yeah, and you're right, Rick, because when they, the Portuguese knows this, all it has to do is just buy its time, sit on its hands, if you will. They mm-hmm. leave, and then it resumes where it left off. And it did. You know, it did. I kept yeah. sending pictures and videos after they had left. And um, I didn't know little, I know very little about Portuguese then. And then when I started increasing my Portuguese IQ, if you will, reading books and studying lectures from other people, I started sure. saying, aha. Oh, that's why the Portuguese did that. You know, that's why, because they're very manipulative. Portuguese, there's a lot of people don't give them credit as far as their intelligence and their level of observation, but they're very manipulative. And they they seem to realize for Ghost Adventures that they're coming in and they're putting a high emphasis on the major activity that me and Tina are experiencing for the wow factor. Whereas, right. I can tell you right then and now, yeah, those Bibles burning and all that stuff that happened were, were true, but they pale in comparison to everything else me and Tina experienced. They really do. Bible, yeah. There's only three Bibles that caught fire in the four years that I lived there. I can't tell you how many times, I can't count because it's, it's too many, of objects being thrown, projectiles, launching, chef knives, you name it, it was thrown. Small, medium, large, heavy, extra heavy, 300-pound armoire, doesn't matter. Thrown like it was a feather. But those are the things that get lost because everybody's going after the, you know, they want to see the blood curdling down the wall. They want to see all the Hollywood stuff. And that's never good. seen that. Yeah. And nobody wants to. And I, and I even sort of be hum- made a humor point in my book. I said, if researchers like, and I try to beat up, beat up on Zach and them, but if researchers like Zach and them really saw that really saw that they would run for the hills they would right you would, would run oh yeah for you would run for the hills so be careful what you really wish for because trust me it, it gets real dark and it got real dark in that house uh after they left 
Well, you know, Zach, but, Zach needs to be careful because not a lot of people have an education when it comes to entertainment law. And, and, and fortunately for the, the past 15 years, I've been educated on entertainment law. And, you know, frankly, Keith, you could actually legitimately come at him with a defamation suit because he's, he's a figure that people listen to and he, he's made your story look like trash, which in turn hurts the sales of your books. As long as you can prove that what he has done has hurt your sales, that's a defamation case, my man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the negative, you know, for me, it was always like getting the story told, maintaining credibility. I didn't, I didn't ever expect them to go negativeville. And they even doubled down on it. Uh, I don't know if you were aware, they did a, uh, a revisit of the episode. I forgot the, the show they call it. Where they go and revisit old episodes, and they they did demons in Seattle uh, about eight months ago, again, and they doubled down. Oh, we didn't find nothing. Ah, Keith and Tina, the wall writing looks fake, and you know we had that stuff mm-hmm. analyzed finally with the other researchers that came in. Uh, the black wall was analyzed, and Zach and them never thought to analyze. They never thought thought to take samples of it. Um, you know, if you can buy bones and whatnot and have a museum in Vegas and buy all this stuff, Charles Manson's bones or ashes or whatever, I think you can sample off some oil off a wall and go have it tested and prove it. Prove it. Prove it's paint. Don't just just don't tell your audience, oh it looks like spray paint. That that's not scientific analysis. That's conjecture. That's right. innuendo. And that's not what a researcher does. If you think it's spray paint, you have to either approve or disprove and let a scientist who has no stake in the game, they're just a scientist who tests paint, say what it is. And they didn't do that. We did. I did. And it came back not being paint whatsoever. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, you know, after after Zach left and you have, you've had other um, investigators in your home, when they left, was was the poltergeist or ghost or whatever it may be said, you know what, payback is a bitch, my friend. I'm going to come at you and I'm going to come at you harder. Did you experience that? Because that is very that's very common. Yeah, we had the activity once you know Zach and them left resume where it left off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was now averaging four hours of sleep. The Portuguese stop attacking our surroundings and start attacking me specifically. I could walk into my bedroom and have objects thrown at me, walk out, walk into my office and have objects thrown at me. It became dangerous to be in a house alone. And now me and Tina would have to leave the house together. They're not attacking her anymore. They're attacking me. I would yeah. be attacked on business trips. I would be attacked you know I, I want, there's a chapter in my book where i take a load of clothing to the cleaners right normal routine about 12 shirts 10 pants and the next day i come back to retrieve my clothing from the cleaners just typical routine stuff the owner and his wife got a funny look on their face they, they're looking at me as i give them the ticket and, and they and I, and i've been going to them for years and they come to me and my clothing is all confetti. They're oh like, God. 
they're like, uh, we don't know. You you bought this to us like this. This is, I mean, it was like you know, confetti, like you know, and um, and that happened multiple occasions. Being attacked in the car, uh, the wall writings in the car in the vehicle. So hold on one second. Let me just. So this is not just happening in your house. This is happening to you in other places, out yes. in the general public. Yeah, interesting. This is going, yeah, this I was found that interesting. You can sort of say the portrait guys went mobile. He went. He's now attached to Keith Lender. Uh, sheets yanked off bed while sleeping in a hotel room. The sheets yanked off bed. Pillow yanked from under you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the poking and the prodding. Uh, the mattress indentations while sleeping, you, you feel the mattress uh, like a, a visible cat or dog approaching you. This That's inside the home and outside the home. And this is all in and around, give or take, before and after Ghost Adventures had left, as well as the other teams. The other teams have come in, uh, the Steve Murrors, uh, the Don Phillips and those guys from the, U- from the UK. Right. And, I was going to ask about them next, actually. Yeah. So what when when they came, obviously they're going to be a little bit more professional than uh, Zach and his crew. Um, what was their determination on what you were dealing with? Well, uh, and I and I, and I make this comparison several times. The experience from Ghost Adventures and local paranormal teams, and, and then what Steve and Don and other UK investigators, and even Nikki herself is. They interviewed me like we're talking now. We did must did about four, if not six months of interviewing before they made the decision to come on site. And it was a lot of questions. It was a lot of evaluations, both mental, psychological. And they wanted to get my story down pat. So they came to Seattle, Washington, because you keep you coming halfway around the world. You got to bring things pertinent to the investigation. So they bought everything that they felt would be useful to the investigation, and they lived in the home mm-hmm. two and a half weeks. So two and a half weeks living in the home, uh, Nick and her team living in the home three and a half weeks. And it was different as night and day as how they conducted their research. Number one, it was more scientific. Okay. Uh, they went after areas that I said were the most active areas of the home. They focused on the office. Uh, they were not trying to get video of Bibles burning and all that. They wanted to capture... They thought it was important to capture unexplained voice phenomena, unexplained readings that you cannot necessarily ascertain why this is behaving a certain way. And they really were very meticulous in their approach. Now, um, it brought great results because both Steve and Dawn started experiencing what I had been reporting. I talked about camera malfunctions, battery Mm -hmm. drainage, uh, cameras being unplugged. You know, you plug a camera in, come back, it's unplugged. Uh, you come back, the CD card, the SD card is gone, you know, or it's fried, motherboard fried, you know. And these are things I had been reporting and documented well two, two years before their arrival. And now they're experiencing the same thing. So now Steve Mara, they now know we have a, a, a spirit, if you will, that's elusive, that's purposely evasive. So they changed their tactics. Uh, midway through the investigation, and their ultimate declaration was, um, this is definitely a poltergeist infestation-like type haunting. Mm-hmm. However, there are remnants of residual. There's some residual evidence uh, as well. 
We're picking up uh, EVPs with Irish accents. Uh, there's a report of apparitional sightings. We've got disembodied voices. There are things that are happening over, like stone tape theory over and over and over that we, we've seen and witnessed. But you have the hallmarkings of the poltergeist stuff. So you got the f top five hits of poltergeist activity. And then, well, what do we, what do, what do we tether it to? What do we, what do we tie it to? We know it's not Tina. She doesn't even live in the house anymore. Uh, it's just Keith living here. Um, previous families have had similar activity, which a lot of people don't know is a family five years before us has similar activity. So that sort of makes it more dynamic of usually poltergeist, you think agent, female, adolescent, you know, something mm -hmm. of that nature. So they lean toward the land underneath the home. You know, the wall writings, some of it written in Native American language and definitely the, the, the oil made from a, a Native American-like substance uh, proved beneficial because in Bothell, Washington, Snohomish County was heavily populated by Native Americans. Uh, there were smallpox mm -hmm. outbreaks in and around the area and mass graves put uh, dug around during that time frame. So uh, the final declaration was Portuguese landlocked phenomena, but still a lot of question marks, still a lot, still a lot of unexplained, um, you know, why this house versus the other 85 in the neighborhood. It was just really weird. Okay. Uh, here's what we're going to do, uh, Keith. We're going to take another break. And when we come back um, on our final segment, just kind of want to talk about about that exactly. Um, I mean, I, I know that I have my opinions on Poltergeist, and I know Stephen has his opinions also. So uh, everybody stick around. Uh, this is the Shadow Initiative TV with uh, Steve Lancaster and Rick Hale. And we're talking to author and experiencer of Extreme Haunting, um, Mr. Keith Linder. So uh, come on back. Get with the goat and sell your soul at the Cut Your Heart Out design and fashion store. Visit CutYourHeartOut.Threadless.com to discover everything horror, dark, and occult related when it comes to walking with the shadows in style. Browse her art and find some sinister offerings to fill your home, spirit, and wardrobe. Greeting cards, blankets, clothing, masks, and everything your wicked heart desires. CutYourHeartOut.Threadless.com And be sure to like them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CutYourHeartOut.Fashion If you are dead on the inside, wear it proudly on the outside. And uh, welcome back to the Shadow Initiative with Steve Lancaster and myself, Rick Hale. We're still here talking with uh, Mr. Keith Linder, um, author of uh, three books concerning his experience with what we, what he thinks maybe a poltergeist. So, Steve, I have very strong opinions on um, making the difference between a poltergeist haunting, a human haunting, and the other kind of haunting, the demonic haunting, which is one that I never really get myself involved in as I'm not clergy. But, um, you know, my idea is, is that a poltergeist is not really so much a ghost as it is person centered. And you touched on it a little bit and talked about how, um, this is, um, you know, a person going through some serious tri tribulations and travails in their life at the time. When this started, were you experiencing anything stressful in your life that would cause a buildup of psychic energy to be pushed out into the environment? No, and that's a good question because you're right. 
the current belief, and it has been out there for a while, and um, Steve Merritt hinted on this in the documentary, even in his book, and it sort of threw him, took him for a loop because there was none of that with me and Tina. You know, keep in mind, mm -hmm. let's rewind a little bit. When I got the Bothell House, I had recently been job promoted. I took on a management position. Me and Tina are now two years into our relationship. Uh, you could basically say we were skipping to the house, arms and hand clasped together on cloud nine when we got the house. No right. strife, no mental turmoil, no recently laid off, no recently bad news, health evaluation, nothing of that nature. And when we came in, the spirits just kid called us. That was the day one. And also, just some of the activity that we were having, like there's a chapter in book one called the housewarming party. It's a literal housewarming mm -hmm. party where objects flew. Everybody got their hair pulled. All the women, about five of them, got their hair pulled, yanked or whatever. But it's a housewarming party. The door got locked uh, several times. I got locked out several times. Objects thrown, loud bangs, and two of our friends to this day have their own story to tell about that incident. So, and then when Stephen Meredith got there, they knew about the previous tenant who were there five years before us even arriving, 2008, 2009, having mm -hmm. similar activity. So it seems, Rick, to answer your question, seem, for our case, in our case alone, it seems to be that poltergeists can go active to hibernation to active and that there might be, and I think researchers are overlooking this or not pinpointing it, there might be a synergy piece involved. Meaning you can have okay. a house on the hill, 20 families move in, but only one conjures up activity with the poltergeist based on a synergy. Could be anything. Well, it's hard to, it doesn't necessarily have to be negative. Well, it's got to be something negative. You got some, and, I, and that's what led some researchers in our house down the wrong path of, they're always looking for, you know, me and Tita kept always asking, we are you depressed? Are you downtrodden or da 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 da? And we're, no. And that doesn't mean on the reverse side, well, maybe you just have high energy, high sprung, and happy go lucky. And there's a synergy involved to where we walk in, the Portuguese kicks in the high gear and says, aha, we can get mileage out of this couple versus whereas the couple before them. Man, we're just docile. And that would explain, maybe, this maybe is a theory, of why some houses, after having this much activity, you never hear from them again. You know, the famous right. houses, people always go back to them trying to recreate. Let's recreate the Anvilleville. Let's recreate the Enfield. And the family that's lived there now, they're like, house is fine, man. We don't, what are y'all talking about? It's haunted. We love it here. And people are always like, well, maybe it wasn't haunted after all. No, 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 no. That's not saying it was never haunted. It's just, you got new dynamics living in the environment. Well, with that being said, yeah. Keith, that, that brings up some points. Uh, one, I love the fact that you had you, you, you guys had no prior knowledge of anything happening there. So you didn't go in with that in your head. You weren't, you weren't influenced in any way. Uh, another thing, um, I guess a, a question, but before I get to the question... Um, Rick, you know, something that's interesting about this case is he's experienced this stuff outside of the realm of that house. So yeah. that's something to really toss around.
but but um, the question I guess you can answer probably pretty quick is, you know, sometimes uh, activity is because they need attention. Was was there any large gap in between the previous tenants and you? Uh, only five years uh, gap, four to five year gap. Uh, also, and this is important information, uh, 2013, we had no activity. The activity started in 2012 when we moved in. And on a scale of one to five, I will put it at a four. And then 2013, it just went completely stopped. And we thought we dodged the bullet. 2014, mm -hmm. it came back with a vengeance. On a, it came back on a scale of a five. It didn't build up to one, two, three, four, five. It came back at a five. And then it plateaued at five pretty much for the duration of us living there. I mean, when it came back as a five, it was like, we're back. We bought our friends and we're resuming where we left off. And it was like, you guys are really in trouble now. And I've seen that in other historical cases where if the activity subsides and if the house people don't leave and the activity comes back, it's always worse the second time around. I can vouch for that yeah. for our house. I, I can vouch for that. Yeah, that does. Uh, that definitely does appear to be something that happens um, quite a bit. So here's another question that I have. Now, when you had investigators there, did anybody ever entertain the idea of maybe your house sits on a portal? Yeah, and they, and, and Steve and Don got some evidence to, um, I guess, support that a little bit in the sense of the hallway, if you will. It's a two-story home seemed to be the thoroughfare, if you will, for all the activity. It seemed mm -hmm. to be the launch pad. And even Nikki and her team noticed that if you if you came in our house and set up equipment in the hallway, you're gonna get a gold mine. It was it was the hallway of my office and master bedroom. And the apparition that I saw two times or three times was traversing the hallway. Steve and Don picked up weird anomalies when they lose the uh, when they use the flare device in one of the bedrooms where there was a, probably about a beach ball size shape, orange shape, the pick came up on the flare that stayed there for three hours and then just vanished uh, and never returned again. Um, so, yeah, you, you think sort of doorway, passageway, if you will. These things come and go. Um, some of the EVPs uh, that they picked up sort of leans to that effect of mainly what the EVPs said. Uh, links to that idea. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my theory, because I've seen, um, you know, the shadow figures that people talk about a lot on, on normal form boards and whatnot, and I've seen it with my naked eye. Not shadow people, not the man with the hat or a shadow person. I'm talking about a shadow figure. About yeah. one foot tall, they walk creepy crawly like, hunched over. Lot, I've seen lots of them. By lots, I mean no less than 11 at any given time, they peep around corners, they come through the ceiling, they come halfway through the wall, they tug at the foot of your bed, they shake the bed, and they seem to work in unison and cahoots. You know, right. Most of the yeah. EVPs that we got or they got, it was always two or three voices on the EVP. They're having mm -hmm. conversations. So whoever it was or is or whatever, they're not alone. At least the EVPs would suggest because they're not talking to me. They're talking to somebody else. They're like, hey, pick up that. Go get that. Turn that off. See what he's doing. <laughs> See what she's doing. 
they snicker, they laugh. They're like, is that a camera? Is that a camera? One of them even said, throw something. There's a voice where one says, you go throw something. And I kid you not, Rick, as soon as you say, he says, you go throw something, something gets thrown. Boom! And then the voice says, you threw that too hard. See, it sounds like to me that you're not, you weren't just being haunted. These uh, spirits were laying siege to your home and yourself. Oh, it's, oh, it's an onslaught. It was an onslaught. It, 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 it sort of percolates to that level. Um, you go from thinking Casper the Friendly Ghost to Ghost from Hell. And mm-hmm. it seems like the longevity creates more. It becomes almost a grand central station because there come there's moments where I'm being attacked. I was in a hotel room. This is Spokane, Washington. It's about 500 miles from Seattle. I'm in downtown Spokane, Washington, in a hotel. I'm being attacked, right? Mm-hmm. Tina and her friend Kim. Kim came in to spend the night with Tina because Tina normally don't stay in the house when I'm when I'm not there. But she talked to her friend Kim to stay with her. They got attacked the same night and morning that I was attacked in Spokane. How I know oh, is wow. because we called each other the same time. You know, I saw I see like eight missed calls from Tina. I call her and I can hear the loud bangs in the background, the rappings. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? She's like, we're getting the hell out of this house. They were taking the showers, two showers in the house. She said, and objects started flying and being thrown. I had just had my pillow and sheets yanked from me and I'm 500 miles away. And this has happened multi-simultaneously at the same time. And I'm like, wait, so there's more than one. You know, could the spirit be at two places at one time? You know, mm-hmm. you know, you know what, what's going on? Here? What, and that was weird. And I've never seen that in other cases. I've looked, but I've never seen that in other cases where, you know, the couples split. You know, he's, he or she is all gone somewhere. But they're still being attacked. And Tina was attacked. They were. And Kim was there to bear witness to it, and I was being attacked in a hotel. So, you no longer live in the Bobble House, obviously, correct? What correct. is it like now? Do you have anything going on in your new home? Well, that's why book two attachments, uh, Rick, uh, Portuguese Watch the State came out because the question remained when I moved out the house. Would I be followed or was I followed? And um, that's pretty much what book two is all about. Is yes, there were activity in my new place of residence. Um, nowhere to the degree of the Bothell House, but I can tell you uh, I experienced water puddle, the water puddle phenomena on day right. one where water was coming down from a dry ceiling, no known source. This is the building maintenance report uh, that I was uh, able to get, and they saw that. Um, the bed stuff has never subsided, and by beds, I mean the mattress indentations, the tapping on the headboard, sheet tugging, um, occasionally a what I would describe, and maybe this is not the right term, a disembodied voice will say Keith over and over while I'm sleeping. Uh, a port, a uh, teleportation of items still happens, but very rare, very rare. Right when I'm about to say, hey, I'm free and clear, something will happen. Um, I've been out on dates, you know, I've been in jazz uh, events or restaurants or dinner and uh, a wine glass will explode, not mine, but the person I'm with. 
and they get they get scared. They find out I lived in a bottle house, and they buy buy. Um, so things like that, and that's really what book two, because book two talks about you know the attachments that I believe are still attached to me as a result of living in that house. Uh, just weird things, so I could just say, huh, that was weird, but nothing. Um, no fires, no burning stuff, no wall right knock on wood. I mean, that, that's good. Uh, do I wish it would all be gone? Yes, of course. I, I wish it would all, would all be gone because the heartbeats, the disembodied heartbeats that you, and nothing prepares you, can prepare you for hearing a heartbeat. Not mine, but hearing a phantom heartbeat coming from your pillow or mattress while sleeping. And if you raise your hand up and Nikki, you can track Nikki down because she captured this as evidence in the bottle house when she was there. You could put your hand where I where I said I heard the heartbeat and you can feel the pitter patter with your own hand. Wow, that's amazing. Well you know what Steve uh, um Steven, do you have anything else for uh Keith? Uh, I guess I was gonna ask before before we let you shamelessly plug like we all do. <laughs> Uh, it's just, you know, where do you stand now all these years later? Cause you know, Rick's experienced things. I've experienced things. I know some of the things have changed my life. They've changed my views on things. Um, I'm certainly viewing things way differently now than I did 20 years ago. Um, so I guess how has this affected you now as you go about your life after the fact? Uh, it's, it's changed me, uh, in a dramatic way in the sense of, I was always iffy or 50, 50 about a life after death. I'm now pretty much certain that there is, I can't necessarily tell you what that is, but there seems to be a hidden side to all of this. Um, that's very much active like we are, uh, for positive and negative reasons. Uh, so it's made me think in, in that regard, um, I'm still the same person. I still do the same things. Me and Rick are friends on Facebook, so I, I'm still doing things that I, I did prior. The only new thing that I'm doing now, and this and this will give me a reason for the third book, is I'm now trying to consult when when I can. I'm, I, I'm not an investigator. I won't enter a house environment. Uh, I will get emails, filter emails. I get emails from paranormal teams throughout the world, experiencers like myself. Uh, the local Catholic Church in Seattle will send me some of their their tough cases and whatnot, just to talk to the people going through something similar like I do to sort of give be a support arm, if you will. Uh, I like doing that. I like I like being a support, saying, "Hey, you, you're not in it by yourself. These are the things you can't do. Don't do this. You know, don't do that. Definitely bring ghost adventures into your home." So I'm I'm sort of in that <laughs> arena. And uh, the third book, and I, I'll just give you a, a tidbit of that right now, is it's called Poltergeist, right? The third book is called Poltergeist, The Night Side of Physics. And the second part of the subtitle is more important to me than the first title. is The Night Side of Physics uh, in this book goes after all the phenomena that we just talked about today uh, and more and then some that we didn't uh, talk about. And it goes after the quantum physics of it all. There are things that I seen, heard, felt um, that if I pick up a Stephen Hawking's or Roger Penrose book, uh, they're talking about the same thing. They're talking about multi-dimensions, atoms, quantum tunneling, all of these natures, things of that nature, of things disappearing, reappearing, uh, you know, string theory, multi-dimensional, fifth, eleven dimensions, and they're talking about all this phenomena. 
And it, and I've seen it in the Bothell house. I've seen objects levitate. I've seen objects go through walls. I've seen water appear out of nowhere. You know, we, we, we look at these things and think it's science fiction when we see it on TV, but you and Rick, we, we've seen and heard these things about being happening and people report them for hundreds of years, mind you. This is not the first time this has been reported. It won't be the last. So I went after the quantum aspect of it, the mechanics. Think of it like this. Book three goes after the mechanics and the machinations of the poltergeist. I believe, and it's my opinion, that poltergeists are intelli intelligent, sentient beings. They're in mm. independent. They're not coexistent. They're not mind, thought, run amok, if you will. They're a sentient, intelligent, intelligent beings who are mischief makers. Let's just give them what they, what they are. They're, they're mischief makers. Uh, there's all types of them. And they're dynamic like we're dynamic. Human beings are dynamic. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's not. A, it's like a snowflake. One poltergeist is going to be uniquely different from the previous snowflake, but it's going to have similar characteristics. So I based that, and I put that in the book, and then I tried to provide the EVPs and the evidence and let the reader make up his or own mind. Very good. All right, so now we've come to that point in the show that we like to call shameless self-promotion. And we are all about shameless self-promotion here at the Shadow Initiative <laughs> TV. So, uh, you know, Keith, why don't you tell people uh, your, about, uh, your real brief about your books and where they can find you? Okay, well, obviously, the, uh, the three books that I've written, you can find easily on Amazon.com uh, in regards to what country you live in. So uh, the first book is The Bothell Hell House. Uh, the second book is Attachments, Portuguese of Washington State, Part 2. Uh, the third one, which just came out recently, Portuguese, uh, The Night Side of Physics, uh, both Kindle paperback formats. Very detailed books, very 300-odd pages, video, audio, you name it. Um, also, and this is free, I want people to watch the documentary, Demons in Seattle Uncovered, is an hour and a half documentary that's free on YouTube. Anybody can get there. Just Google Demons in Seattle Uncovered. And if you watch the Ghost Adventures episode, Demons in Seattle, to your listeners, this is the antithesis to that. Just watch both of them back to back or, or whatever. And then you make up your own mind. You'll come out, I guarantee you, you'll come up with a deeper analysis and understanding. If you thought Ghost Adventures got it right and me and Tina got it wrong, I doubt you'll think that way after you watch the Uncovered uh, documentary, and like Rick said at the beginning of the show, there's a there's parapsychology organizations throughout the world that are still studying this case in the evidence. So um, I think you'll they'll like that documentary. All right, fantastic, brilliant. Well, you know, Keith, thank you so much for joining us here, and I hope that you will come back again and we can talk a little bit more. Um, definitely a very eye-opening uh, case, and. Um, you know, I hope that everything is going to work out in your favor in the future. So thank you so much again for talking with us. Thank hey, guys. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Keith. I mean, yes, you know, you. I have always loved your story, and I've always believed it, you know, without, without reservation. Hey, man. Thanks for reaching out. Like I said, it was good. If we all want to do this again or whatever, I'll keep you up to date. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you, uh, Stephen. That was good. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Keith. It, it was awesome. Thank you.
Check out the One Step Closer to Madness Network for paranormal podcasts, conspiracies, horror, and more. Like them on Facebook at facebook.com slash one step closer to madness. Welcome back, guys, to another fantastic interview, another fantastic episode of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV with Rick Hale and myself, Stephen Lancaster, hailing from the Lancaster Nerdery. So, that again, <laughs> yes. that was great. An- another guy who, who just experienced something wicked and, and, yeah. and made it his mission to put it out there, come what may... You know, we heard about all of his, his experiences. Um, it was fantastic, man. What would what you think? I, I thought it was fantastic. Like, like I said, I've, I've read the first two books. Um, he sent them to me, you know, to, to see what I thought. And it definitely makes you want to rethink the, uh, the paradigm that's been around for the last 130 or 140 years. Um, what, what a poltergeist is... Um, what it does and uh, what it wants and the the thing is it's like using the term poltergeist it's like i am just i'm a very old-fashioned person with that with a um, with that word and with the activity that's involved and sometimes it's hard for you know me to you know to to let, to let those old assumptions die if anything i'm willing to say that he is experiencing an extreme haunting done by uh, human spirits, human spirits that clearly did not want him there. Yeah, I, I think there, there's attachment involved. I mean, for for him to be taking the laundry, you know, to get it clean and it's shredded, you know, and to be yeah. at a hotel, what do you say, 500 miles away or whatnot, and to experience stuff. I mean, that's not your typical poltergeist, you know. Poltergeists no. are territorial, you know. Um, this... They're, they're, they're more people-centered than, um, than than they are place-centered. Mm-hmm. But in this experience, he had both of that going on at right. the same time. Which is, which is interesting. Especially, you know, I would view it a lot differently if he was a fan of the paranormal and had been an investigator and he watches all these shows and he's just like, well, I'll take the best of this and the best of this and make it a story. But, but this guy didn't. You know, just a, a normal yeah. guy that experienced this stuff and then educated himself on on um, the different phenomena. So that's that's kind of unique uh, because usually it's just kind of one or the other, and you've got a direction mm-hmm. to go in. This this one's I, I can see why it has garnered a lot of attention. Yeah, you know, and and th- there there are aspects of it where yes, you know, poltergeists do have a history of starting fires. Uh, poltergeists do have a history of making things disappear and then having them reappear, but human spirits do that too. Yeah, and it, it just—it just seems like whatever this is that he was dealing with or is currently dealing with, just really wanted to make his life a living hell for the sheer joy of making his life a living hell, like dealing with some kind of internet troll. Yeah, you know. I... Keith made some great points across the, his entire interview, but you know, and I didn't want to turn the show into into bash Zach, Zach Baggins, you know, because no, neither did I. Who really cares, you know? But um, well, you know, it was it it, it was important to um, to feature that only because 
you have guys like um, the Ghost Adventures crew, and then the other people that he had in the house, like over from the United Kingdom with uh, Stephen Mara, mm-hmm. you know, who's a very well-respected uh, researcher and investigator of ghosts and hauntings. So it's kind of like it shows the contrast between the two. Yeah. You it, have somebody who's acting unprofessionally and somebody who is being professional. Which is a point that we try to make repeatedly on this show. And, yes. you know, it's not the first time we've heard stuff like that because, I mean, there, there have been cases in the past where clients have uh, brought up lawsuits against ghost hunters and ghost adventures and all this stuff for perceiving them in the wrong light. You know, yeah. so this isn't new. And, and you guys heard her straight from Keith. They were there four or five hours. What could you possibly do? How could you be an authority on that? You yeah. know, and, and I, I liked his his view. And I, I love the fact that he brought in all these various researchers who did it the right way. And he made a great point that what kind of research is it when you don't take a sample of something? If there is something right there that is allegedly done by something supernatural are you just going to take a picture and come up with an idea of what it is or are you going to take a sample of it and try to figure out what it is you know so that's that's not actual investigation he made a great point how could zach actually say oh that was just made up or well you don't know you did nothing to test your theory right yeah, exactly. But, you know, l- l- like we also said, too, you know, and you have more experience in television than I probably will ever hope to have. But um, there is definitely an editing problem in television, and they do make people look bad or they make people look cowardly. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And, and luckily for me, um with the exception of the first time. The first time was a lesson learned. It was an experience to see how things go on behind the scenes. Because I'm more of a guy, believe it or not, that would rather be behind the camera. Because I mm-hmm. like putting stuff together. I enjoy producing. Um, sure. And I learned firsthand, okay, this is this is uh, snake oil salesman stuff here, guys. You know, so after that, I made it clear you know, most people who are just uh, fame seekers will sign anything. And I'm sure that contract with Ghost Adventures is tight as a dolphin's ass. You know what I'm saying? Oh, of course it is. It has and to be. people just sign it. They don't read it. But I made it sure when I did the Travel Channel. And I and I have to praise New Dominion Films, the, the show who produce, or the, the company that produces a haunting. Um, I have to praise them. Uh, Miss Kelly Tucker, because they, they talked to me on the phone, and they, and they listened to my concerns of what I didn't want my episode to be, what I didn't want to be said, or what happened, what they could use, what they couldn't use, and I got exactly what I wanted. So I, I definitely learned from that first experience that, hey, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be done the right way. And, and, and just as you know, when I that was one of the main uh, uh, motivational points of Monster Vision TV way back in the day was to show people exactly how it is. You know, sure, yeah. I put creepy music behind it, you know, and stuff like that and had some cool cuts, but there was nothing ever misinterpreted, nothing ever said, this is a ghost or something we staged, you know what I mean? It, it was, this is how it is. 
and it worked. And I just, it baffles me. While he was talking, I was sitting here with my brain turning. Like, I would love to do just a one-off episode where from start to finish, from the point you pick up your phone or you answer that email to the, to the point you do the case, from the interview mm-hmm. with the client to all the background research you do to everything. Do like a one-off thing to show, guys, this is exactly how it's done from start to finish. Not like you're seeing you know the 23 minutes on the Travel Channel. Right. But, and, but, and here's the thing, though, Stephen. We've gotten to a point with this where nobody wants to see that. No, they don't. They, 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 they want to believe that, um, that it's a scare a minute and that you're dealing with something that is, uh, you know, outlandishly evil rather than actually just watching uh, guys like, you know, myself and you. You know, how, we, how it goes from this step to this step to this step. Because let's face it, that would bore the shit out of people. But uh, it, it, it would be important to see. It would but, be important to see. But it can be done. It can be done. Monster yeah. Vision TV wasn't a success for nothing. You know, so yeah. I found that middle ground. I would have my hat turns forward, you know, when I was doing the research. But then when it came time to put it together, the hat went around and okay, let's add an entertainment quality to this, you know. So it was mm-hmm. branded, and there was a musical score, you know. And it made it, it can it can be done, you know. Ghost tapes, I would watch that over Ghost. anything Zach Baggins does. You know what I'm saying? You know, I was I was so proud of Ghost tapes, and I loved doing that, doing um, my my part in the documentary and on the. Um, invested the, the the four episodes of ghost tapes that I did. Um, you know, I, I never, I, I always said I will not be want to be in front of the camera unless I could do it my way. And uh, Luke Millett, he 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 wanted to do it that, that this way. He wanted to show people what it really is that we that we did. And if you watch Ghost Tapes, the documentary, and the four episodes, you will see a real paranormal investigation. I agree. And how it's really done and how we're not out to scare you and that, yeah, there are moments and where it is, oh, my God, I I will claw my, I will rip my own head off because it is so damn boring. Well, uh, a perfect, and, and you saw that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime I got to listen to you, I want to rip my fucking head off. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, you saw it. I, well, I saw it. The, the There's two different audiences. When I released the the documentary on the Brentwood, uh, Phantom. Okay, when I posted, I posted it two places to experiment. I posted it on YouTube, and I put and I had it on Amazon Prime because I wasn't going to turn down that. Okay, the audience for Amazon Prime, most of them hated it, hated it. Yeah. It was boring, uh, you know. And, and, oh, you know, twenty five minutes to get to anything. Well, that first 25 minutes is the history of the location, which is important to research. You know what I'm saying? So you had that audience. But on YouTube, rave reviews. Rave reviews. High thumbs up. I I saw them. You know, so it just goes to show you there's an entirely different audience. You know, if you really want to learn, 
you need to know that history and that's why it starts with the history is a slow build and gets to that apex of, of the the newest investigation and the evidence reveal and all that stuff you know so i i saw it with that one for sure well yeah you know and, and it's like you know the old saying says it's not the steak that sells it's the sizzle right it is the sizzle you can get a better look at a t-bone by sticking your head up a bull's ass but wouldn't you rather take the butcher's word for it yeah absolutely you know um again this this has been a great episode a great yeah. eye-opening episode and most of all it's like not only do we want to inform and even entertain you here at our, our, our listeners and our viewers we also want to educate you so we're always going to bring on people that they're going to teach you something and make you think and that's what we're all about here at the shadow initiative well it, well, it goes back to one of the original slogans of Monster Vision TV. It's educate, not fabricate. You know, that that's what we're about. So with that being said, Rick, we're wrapping up episode 9. Yes, we are. Of, so we're halfway to, to ending season 1. Oh my gosh. Episode 9 in the bag. Yes, so remember guys, next week there will be no episode. Maybe if I get time, I'll put together like a... A best of Shadow Initiative TV, and and that's what'll air that night. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll just take all of Rick's funny moments, and I'll just do like a commentary over it. Okay, this is when Rick had a booger <laughs> hanging from his nose. Nerder. I did not. <laughs> so yeah, there's your cliffhanger. All self-conscious. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll just take all of Rick's clips, and I'll just do commentary over it. All right, this is what Rick's really thinking right now. He's thinking about a dead hooker. That's what's happening. I can tell. I can, this would be Damn completely entertaining. Completely entertaining. I'll get me a little... I've already thought about getting little Wild E. Coyote signs for when you're doing Ghost Watch, and I'm just sitting here and just randomly holding them up. I've already... Oh, God. Help me now. <laughs> Oh Jesus! Definitely, definitely. That, but you know what? I, I, I actually would. I would give that my personal thumbs up and seal of approval. That would be funny. Y'all, absolutely, absolutely. And we aim to please. Whoa. Um. But but anyways, guys. As always, thank you for the likes. Thank you for the shares. The support. Over four thousand unique listeners so far into this shenanigan. And uh, we cannot complain for just two normal guys that are paranormal <laughs> by every definition. And, uh, you know, like us on Facebook. Here's our group once again going across the screen. Rick is always posting rich content, things that you most likely have never heard about. Um, I occasionally post in there. Um, it, it's a cool group. Join us. Um, and, and we may discover you. I, I I didn't I don't even know if I told you, Rick. Uh, we got an email from somebody who saw. I need to forward it to you. Yeah, please um, do. Who's somebody who saw Sean's episode? I don't know who this person okay. is. Okay, um, but they I guess Sean's interview gave her the courage to come out with what she wanted to say. So she sent okay. us a message, kind of telling a little bit about it, kind of feeling I guess us out to see if we're going to respond. Um, which I haven't yet, but um, that's what we're looking for. You guys can talk to us. 
you know, and and, right. and if it's if it's something we think we can take the next to the next level, we'll bring you on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is definitely the bread and butter of the uh, of paranormal land, as I like to call it. Are the is the personal experience of the person that is not involved in paranormal land. Absolutely. Well, with that being said, guys, have a great night. Um, have a great uh, Valentine's Day weekend. Um, you know, wear your mask. Um, Show some love and wear your mask. Right, and if you're not trying to have a baby, wear something else. You know, we're looking out for you guys. <laughs> we're looking out for you guys. So We're thinking only of you. Right. Uh, so, you guys have a great night, and we will see you guys again live in two weeks. Take care. See ya. Thanks for watching. Experiencer. That sounds like <laughs> some kind of new Marvel character. I love the shirt, Keith, by the way. <laughs> the Experiencer. Oh, oh thank you. And thank you, everybody, for uh, sticking sticking around and uh, with uh, Stephen, Rick, uh, rather Stephen, myself, and Keith Linder. Stephen, you touched briefly. I'm sorry, Keith, you touched briefly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime I gotta listen to you, I wanna rip my fucking head off. This is when Rick had a booger <laughs> at hanging the Lancaster Nerder. I, I did not. I, 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 I,